0: Welcome to another episode of the podcast now Um, Today we're talking about a really cool, difficult topic And I'm here with the one and only Madison Garlock She's a complete rookie at podcasts So luckily she's here with an expert who's done it seven times (laughs) So Maddie, welcome, she's my daughter and she is, um, she is twenty. You're like in You're your twenties,
1: right? That. Yeah, twenty-four.
0: <laughs> twenty-four. She's just graduating right now in psychology, so I think that she would be a great interview. And she, we're going to talk about uh, anxiety together. So, welcome, Madison. Thank you. Maddie's also, uh, she played for Weber State for five years, or four years, and uh, then played for Real Salt Lake a little bit, and girls team, very good athlete, now she's on her way to med school here pretty soon, hopefully it's back east somewhere, so, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, so anyway, anxiety. I wanted to start off by saying anxiety is one right now that people are really struggling with because 20 years ago you just didn't hear this word very much. And now it is something that we hear over and over that so many people struggle with and what happened. Did the people change? Did the society change? Did what what um, really has happened? And let me just explain real quick what anxiety is. Um uh, <clears throat> On the clinical end of it, and then we can just go into maybe how uh, how to work through it and maybe some techniques to help and reduce it a little bit. But anxiety, most people with it describe it as a feeling that is uncomfortable. They don't use the really the word fear because that's not really what it is. It's just an uncomfortable pit in your stomach. I don't know why I'm explaining this because everybody knows what it feels like. The difference between fear and anxiety fear is like if somebody broke into your house and held up your family you're afraid that's fear if somebody if you think somebody's going to one day that's anxiety so it's not something that really is happening or it's more so something that you're coming up with in your head and so it's from your thoughts so it's a very powerful thing, and we're going to get into some more of the details. But um, um, anyway, Maddie, we're going to kind of do a reverse interview, and, and she's going to she has a few questions, and then I might even ask her a few questions to see if she really learned something from Weber State, the Harvard of the West. So go ahead, Mad. What do you got there?
1: Okay, physically, what's happening? Anxiety, like.
0: Well, that's a really tough question, actually, because what is happening is that your thoughts are creating an emotion that is uncomfortable. So, for example, if you think about Christmas, you have positive thoughts. And you, and I mean, Christmas usually are positive thoughts. That stirs up emotions that are positive and fun. When you think of the bills that maybe you can't pay, that generates emotions that are uncomfortable and anxiety so if if to lay the foundation for this whole thing controlling your thoughts or we won't even get into how to fix this yet but your thoughts create feelings your feelings kind of push you into behavior so if you can get your thoughts in check now the truth is Heads up, the studio slowly falling apart here. This is a, quite the studio with cardboard up on the windows. But anyway, um, we're going to talk about some of this stuff in the... But what, what you really need to think about is thoughts create feelings. Feelings push you into behavior. If, if that point could get out, that would be uh, a very good base. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, sometimes you know your thoughts are irrational. And you know it, but you can't stop? How, what should be your behavior
0: on that? So you do get better at it. If you think of it, um, for example, our grandkid, your, let's see, nephew, nephew, we were going to give him a bath the other day, and he didn't want to get in the bathtub because he was super scared about it. And what Kathy actually did was help him unlearn or learn that the bathtub isn't something scary. So she started off with breaking down the way he was thinking. So he was trying to get out of the bathroom, didn't want to go take a bath. And Kathy went in and goes, let's just watch the water fall down. And let's just watch the tub fill up. And let's throw some things in the water. And slowly it started breaking down his thinking Which made him feel less anxious, and he ended up getting in. And I think that is what a parent's job is, is as kids are growing up, they've got—I mean, you think of it, Matt, can you think of any time when we—now, don't bag on my parenting here, but can you think of a time where I talk to you about an irrational thought? Well, lightning comes to mind. So, and basically trying to—it's a—it's a skill to develop. Maddie was a little nervous about lightning, and and uh, tried I tried to help more her. Thunder, thunder—they <laughs> kind of go together. But while I'm talking about thunder and lightning, uh, anxiety and depression also—that's—that's that's a little that, uh, they always go together. And so, uh, anyway, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs>
1: another one. All right. Okay. Uh, sometimes you get in like a rabbit hole. I find myself doing this at nighttime. I guess like you really work yourself up. You're kind of in a place where that thought, changing your thoughts, is kind of thrown out the window. What What should you do when you get to that point where it's just ten out of ten?
0: That yeah. Those you wouldn't consider it a panic attack, but getting pretty close to yeah. it, right? So oh, I think that <clears throat> probably now when I was talking about that, you go from your thoughts to your feelings if you can trace back to where the feelings what thoughts are creating it so for example if you're having anxious feelings and you basically trace them back to where they're coming from it could be uh, I'm I'm worried about losing my job could be I'm worried about the storm tomorrow it could be my relationship with my wife and it's not that tough to trace it back. If you think about it, how many, how many times do you say, I know something's nagging. I, I've, I know I have to do something. I, know I and, and you can't really remember what it is. And then you kind of trace it back and go, oh, yeah, I got to unload the, the ice cream melting in my car that I just bought. And then that reduces the anxiety. So, if, well, it takes it away. And so if you can trace it back and say, I'm thinking that my job is creating anxiety, one of the best, best, best tools for anxiety, take out a piece of paper and a pencil and write down a list of things that you can do, actually do to improve your performance at work. Everybody, everybody, everybody has anxiety. Sounds like I'm saying a lot of words three times. (laughs) Everybody has anxiety, but You got to learn where to put the anxiety that successful people know where to put it. So, for example, if they were worried about their job, they have anxiety about how they treat their boss and how, for example, if they were given a Christmas bonus or something, they would have anxiety to not thank their boss for it so they do things that are smart because the anxiety is placed in the right places now other people put anxiety in the wrong places and they think that all their job performance matters is their clothing that they dressed up or that they show up on time and that's all that really matters when really performance um your relationships with the co-workers whatever if, if your stress is in the right areas your anxiety in the right areas then um so that's a, that's a huge one. So when you're laying there at night, I would say, first of all, trace it back to whatever the thought is that's creating it. And if you can do that, pull out a pencil. It, it might be your appearance. It might be your relationship with your wife or your, your husband. Take out a pencil and say, okay... I'm lacking in these areas. If it's physical, I need to start running again. I need to start doing 25 sit-ups a night. I need to start. And, and I can't think of very many ways that take away anxiety quicker than putting a pencil to paper and coming up with your own list. That's just one, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into some more. But
1: So you told me about grounding. That can help me
0: when I was going to take my MCAT. I... What, did, what was it?
1: <laughs> Well, there's a test that I've been studying for for about nine months, and I was scared. I only got one shot at it, and so when I was walking into the testing center, I just kind of, I went to a tree, kind of stood by it, and thought, this is here right now. It's been here way longer than I have. It's going to be here after my test, and it'll be here when I'm gone, like, just kind of bringing myself down from
0: all of that yeah you, you know, I love to use a tree as in that's a perfect one because you know trees just stand there and they withstand so much and if you can like actually go up and just ground yourself but when they say ground yourself like really grab, grab a hold of the tree grab a leaf touch the ground and realize you're not as big of something as you think you are um, you're not that. what's about to happen isn't as scary as you think it is so um, I have a tattoo on my right arm Sorry, Mom. But um, it's a big elephant, and uh, it's breaking through a wall. And the whole thing was is elephants have a good memory. And so my, every time I see it, it's a reminder to remember that you can get through anything. So it's, it's just another decreaser in, in anxiety that I use. I see it every day, and I think that reminds me that I can get through anything, so calm down. Um, So grounding is a huge one. That's a good, good, good example.
1: So at what point is anxiety too much? Like at what point do, does someone need to go get help or reach out?
0: If you look at the diagnostic or the DSM, it's a book with all the diagnoses in it. If um, you're to a point where uh, anxiety is causing you, now like I said, anxiety can cause you a lot of success too. If you put it in the right areas, um, even think of professional athletes. Their diets, their strict workouts. If they put that anxiety in the right places, then it's super helpful. But if it starts to impede or disrupt your life in a negative way, in an ongoing way, more than more days than not, and for at least six months. Then you're probably going to be diagnosed with some sort of an anxiety disorder, and that's when you would need to get some help. Now, a lot of therapists, what they're going to do in a session with you is sit down and, and try to challenge those beliefs that those not beliefs, but those thoughts that are giving you anxiety. If you go back to what Kathy and I did with our grandson, we kind of broke down his thinking, and if most people did this. To their kids all the way growing up, their kid comes home, they're sad, you ask why? Well, because I'm the dumbest kid in my class. Why would you think that? Because I got a bad grade. Well, did you do your homework? No. And you basically change the way they think, reframe the way they think, so that they get rid of the anxiety. So when you ask um, at what point, it's at the point where it's really disrupting your life. Now... Do you want me to talk about medication? Was that something when you you would get into that?
1: Well, before that, like when you talk about disrupting your life or impeding on your life, like what what would you consider that to be?
0: Well, that's a great question because I think when you think of anxiety, well, like here's an example, obsessive compulsive disorder, if you think about it, is an anxiety disorder because... You know, people know that disorder by they have to wash their hands or they have to flip the light switch on and on, off and on a certain number of times. They have to do that to reduce the anxiety that is causing them to... Even though it's irrational, even though it doesn't do really anything, there's so much of an anxiety buildup that they need to do it. So when you find yourself doing Tourette's is another one it's like where you have an impulse to yell something or 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 some kind of a twitch or something that disrupts your job or relationships with other people that's what I mean um if you're does that make sense yeah it does um yeah let's go to
1: medication what what are your thoughts on it I know it's kind of it's hard medication I feel like has a weird stigma right now um, mental illness is kind of getting better overall but medication for something that people don't necessarily think is like
0: I find that stigma super fascinating because it's like everybody's ready to grab a bottle of pills when they get a headache but and they're worried about being addicted to them but when it comes to major depression or something like that they want to fight it it's like they can't see but they want to fight getting glasses and medication for anxiety now i'm going to just say this and i'm i'm very much saying that not to go to medication is the first uh intervention that you could use but to <clears throat> use some sort of a medication to decrease anxiety and help you go through situations that you would normally feel a lot of anxiety that would inhibit your your performance then do that as a temporary fix your brain is going to slowly decide I can do this I'm, I'm, I'm okay doing this okay so there's a lot of examples of it there's separation anxiety agoraphobia um, social, like uh, performance anxiety. the Agoraphobia is a fascinating one. It's where people are have a lot of anxiety about going into a place with a lot of people. So if you said this is interrupting their life because they have to go to work every day or they go to church where there's a big group of people or they go to a sports thing and there's a lot of people there and they have so much anxiety about it that, it, that they don't go. So if you think about it as a temporary... Crutch for a minute. They take an anti anxiety medication. They go to these events and they slowly see nothing's happened. I do fine socially. I, I'm able to interact with people fine. And they build up those skills and then they slowly pull them off. There's so many things as humans that we have to unlearn when we're growing up. When you think about all babies are scared of falling, all babies are scared of loud, loud noises. And we have to unlearn them. And performance anxiety is a good example of that. We're always afraid of performing. There's nobody really. who just jumps up there and grabs a microphone and starts singing. Um, But you unlearn that because you start going, I'm pretty good at this and I do okay at this and I don't have to worry so much about it. And so you're, back to what I've been uh, saying this whole time, you change your thoughts, which changes your feelings, which changes your behavior. So the medication part of it, can always I would always suggest that it's like it's very temporary, like to say to yourself, I'm going to take these as needed for the next six months and try to con- conquer this issue that's causing me so much anxiety, and then back off because anti they're called benzodiazepines. They're medications that are like Valium, you know, Xanax, or whatever, and they can be very addicting. So it's also smart when you're going on them to have somebody else checking in on you, a spouse or whatever, uh, checking in to see how much you're taking and to make sure you're taking it at the times where you really need it. So medications I'm always a huge fan of, but not as a first go-to.
1: So if it's not a first, uh, what about the people who are on their first go-around and are wanting to do something before they go to medication, something that they can do on their own?
0: Okay, there's a there are a lot of things. And the, the biggest one, really, is to have somebody help you change the way you're thinking. That could be just a friend. Now, if you think about you have a horrible day at work, you get in your car, what do most people do? They want to change the way they're thinking because they're in a bad mood so what do they do they call their friend they call their loved one or whatever and they have a talk with them that really is just a therapy session The, the the uh person they're talking to without knowing it is really probably just changing the way they think and helping them to calm down um If they're focused on how bad they hate their job and their friend is able to help them realize how lucky they are that they have a job during these crazy times and don't forget we have the big camping trip this weekend and don't forget we then that person is slowly changing um, their way of thinking. Uh, Another way is there are things around us in this community that are built to really create anxiety, the news. Uh, If you watch too much of the news, they basically want to scare us. Um, They want to make us afraid of the future so that we count on our politicians or on our leaders to take care of us and so to reduce anxiety. It would be a really good idea to not watch the news. The other one is social media can get out of hand. now with teenagers, I think an error that a lot of parents make is that teenagers – they take them off social media. And even though I think toning back on social media is going to help the majority of kids with their anxiety, taking them completely off also creates some because they feel like they're so out of the loop that they get more anxiety. So a lot of the little tricks that you do beforehand um, are going to... there. There's as many tricks as there are reasons why you're feeling anxiety uh, if you think about like i said before if you're having anxiety because you don't have that fit summer body and you got the vacation coming up to hawaii then the best well i mean what would be the best thing you could do to reduce the anxiety get your butt out there and hit some open road you know so what
1: about music music
0: one of my music's one of my favorite it can change uh your mood in three minutes any mood call me down pump you up it's, a, it's an awesome one and uh, you know it may be a temporary fix but sometimes that's what you need you need to buy three minutes before you do something stupid and so if you uh, I challenge anybody when to you know get yourself a list of music that pumps you up and a list that chills you out I, I find myself on my way to work listening to pump up 80s rock music and on the way home some nice calm air supply
1: (laughs) (laughs) so i have another question what advice would you have uh for people who are experiencing anxiety but when they're talking to people who don't really get it um and kind of like invalidate their feelings and stuff like that how how would you respond to that
0: that's a really that's a question that it, i can't tell you how important that is because anxiety issues are about 2 to 1 boys to girls girls to boys girls have it about twice as much so a lot of times they get frustrated when their husband or their significant significant other or their dad doesn't get the anxiety that they're going through that's very frustrating but I guess my answer would be learn who those people are and learn what areas of your life that you can share with them and what you can't. And, you know, you can't force somebody to understand what it is you're going through. And some people were raised in a completely different way that medication is wrong and therapy is wrong and whatever's wrong. Those are just people you probably don't need to um, share that with. And, but, um, like this podcast is a really. I mean, this is one of the best opportunities that you could get to learn about. But a little education to the people who don't understand it uh, goes a long way um, in changing the way that they think about, um, you know, I have a lot of people who say anxiety is just a, it's just made up. It's, and that's pretty harsh, but in some ways it's true. It's not just, it's, it is made up. You ha- It's not, like I said at the first, it's fear. You're thinking about things that could happen. So that part is made up. But the actual feeling of anxiety is not made up. That's a real feeling. It's very uncomfortable. And it causes people to do things that, you know, the rate of suicide goes up like 60% with people with any kind of um anxiety disorders and so it's a feeling that people are willing to end their lives to get rid of and it's something to super take serious
1: awesome i think that i like when you talk about it being like a broken arm because there are a lot of like physiological things that like do happen like cortisol levels can change like you physically so totally that's awesome um so what about Especially during the holidays, certain people bring out the anxiety. You know, do you like how do you keep relationships going but, you know, kind of reduce that? Or I don't know, especially during the holidays when you're gonna have to be around fam and all that.
0: That is so true. I uh, have plenty of people I see on the holidays that are that really scare me to death, actually. And, uh, and, uh, this is something i've learned just with myself and anxiety i worried about things that could happen in the future at my job i worry about kids maybe doing something that's super crazy or being on the news or something i do this every time when everything falls apart and and life is super crazy i always remind myself remember that it's okay it's not as bad as you think You'll get through it. So don't, when everything calms down again, don't let yourself get so worked up. And so when, during the holidays, (laughs) I mean, it is so easy to go in with, as a loaded gun and be like quick to snap on people and quick to uh, respond negatively to people. But if you've ever done that, you always leave going, all I had to do was get through one or two days with these people, and then the rest of my year, and was it wasn't really that hard. I really think you need to go into the holidays going. I know my crazy aunts are going to say something. I can say that because I don't have any, very many left, but um, to say... <laughs> Maddie Maddie's just got anxiety about what I might have said. But um, I always I having I, I have a game plan. When so and so comes up and they wanna talk to me and, and I know their conversation is gonna be full of passive aggressive little slams or whatever, I'm kind of ready for it. And I realize that dealing with it in the moment Is going to cause me less anxiety than snapping back on them and ruining the party, and then going the next 364 days waiting for my next opportunity to fix it. So I would say, you know, let it. The uh, don't let those things outweigh the negative possibilities that could come out of responding poorly.
1: So with the holidays, um, I think a lot of people, including myself, get anxious leading up to it and you build up christmas so much and you know the letdown is pretty hard after too because it's
0: pretty <laughs> no, no,
1: no. but like i mean the ending part is probably a little bit more depression but what like how do you cope with that it is it is hard january 5th is like a pretty you know even second third fourth when it's all over how what advice do you have for people to get through the holidays
0: well, the uh, f- highest suicide time of the year is after the holidays, and it's a lot of times because people uh, are given the holidays one last shot of increasing their their life um, quality, and then they realize, wow, it didn't really change anything. I think lowering your expectations, and I'm not going to lie, as a dad, uh, I had a Christmas. I really won't explain it uh, in great detail, but it was probably... 15 years ago where I did not get a single present (laughs) and not one my kids were young there were some other issues going on Uh, the person in my family who was supposed to give me a gift who drew my name forgot because she was only because her dad my brother met John who (laughs) forgot to tell her so anyways it was one of my favorite Christmases I loved it but I but I didn't get a, a single present not even a candy cane you know <laughs> and so um, i was thinking that was a good example for me to uh, or to remember that you can have some of the best christmases and if you kind of go into them saying, I'm not going to see how happy I can make myself or how many gifts can make me happy, but the excitement... Maddie, you showed me somebody a gift that you got for somebody for this Christmas, and your excitement about that is more exciting and more fulfilling than any gift I give you because you're the one making somebody else happy. And so I think not to forget that, um, the holidays are just saturday sunday they're not it's not anything special crazy that's going to change anyone's life and going into it with huge expectations is uh unhealthy and probably gonna be kind of a down downfall
1: so i know that there's some diagnosis for this but sometimes of the year my like anxiety can be worse or sometimes of the day um, is that
0: normal? Well, you know, you brought up something about um, going to sleep at night and feeling anxiety when you go to bed. I I would really challenge anybody who's doing that to not go to bed till you're tired and ready to go to sleep. Laying in your bed and thinking about your day's problems turns your bed into kind of a... Uh, kind of turns it into a place where you train yourself to flop into and then bring up your problems you don't want to do that you want to so for sure at nighttime people's anxieties are going to be higher because they have time to sit there and lay there and think them over so i'd encourage people to actually your whole bedroom needs to be like that be a place where you feel safe where you go to to go to sleep to spend that third of your life where you're getting rested up and not laying there thinking of all the negative things that could happen uh during the year obviously people feel a little more depression and anxiety during the winter months there's less sunlight there's less hours in the day uh colder less less uh activities that you can do and we one of the i think to find a hobby i uh i was about to say what my hobby is but a lot of you people <laughs> may not like it well i actually trap Predator animals up in the mountains, and I actually get really uh, addicted to it, and can't believe everyone else doesn't do it because it's so. But it keeps me going through the winter, and uh, I would suggest that people get on a exercise plan, do a good diet, and get through that time of year. And also at night, just make sure you're, you know, not staying active, but not if you're going to fall asleep at ten, don't get in bed at eight thirty. Um, watch tv out in the living room have a good time with your family when you're ready to go to sleep then go to your bed so
1: so i think this has kind of been a common theme throughout this but do anxiety and depression look the same how are they different where do they kind of merge
0: yeah they're gonna look the same and um people with depression uh look anxious Uh, I mean they feel anxious a lot of times and anxious people get depressed a lot and um, anxiety is kind of if you look at the DSM there are diagnoses that kind of build up the first anxiety disorder is usually separation anxiety and that's when kids get separated from their parents for just like babysitting and then it moves on to little performance anxieties where kids are maybe at recess and they're afraid to shoot a basketball for the first time or throw a football, and then it moves on, and and they progressively get worse. And so somebody who's maybe, I'm not going to blame this on parents, but didn't have the opportunity to have those, in, those instances reframed in their head, by the time they're an adult, they're going to... Uh, manifest them even stronger and and it's going to be harder to break down than it would be to somebody who's kind of just going through the normal uh progressive uh milestones of life. So, um do they look the same on the outside, you know, probably on the inside I think there is a different feeling with depression and anxiety, but most people Uh, are feeling both at the same time. And, you know, we mentioned earlier panic attacks. And those generally are, they're pretty rare, real panic attacks. And they're more so a cause of an anxiety issue, but usually it's mixed in with something else. Uh, It could be, like, drugs and alcohol or some major event that just happened. You have a panic attack, you know, maybe when you see something that was, like I saw last night. um,
1: Oh,
0: (laughs) but um, it's like uh... whoa (laughs) studio falling down (laughs) sorry have some technical difficulties now I can't see because the sun's shining right in my eyeball but anyway did that make any sense?
1: yeah it it was good so for parents um, how do they recognize anxiety um, in their kids and how do they help them? There we go, fixed.
0: I wonder if Joe Rogan goes through these struggles every day. Um, so, how do parents help them? I think from a young age.
1: How do they recognize it? I think that's hard.
0: You know what? It isn't hard if you start when kids are young. Kids walk in from school. See, as kids get older, they learn to hide it. Kids who feel weak come across as if they're tough. Kids that feel dumb come across like they're smart-mouthed. Kids that are worried that they're going to be made fun of, make fun of other people. But little kids, five-year-olds, they walk in the door and it's painted all over their face. And what ends up happening is parents don't aren't around or they are in a hurry or they're at work or whatever and they don't catch on to those looks in that kid's face during the times of their life where it's pretty obvious then i mean i can look at my kid any of them across the basketball court and read it on their face of how they're feeling that day and that comes with really being in touch with your kids from an early early time and and if you didn't do that then you might have to do a little trial and error and there's nothing wrong with that going up to one of your kids and saying it seems to me like today's being rough is everything okay you're not accusing them of anything you're not trying to come across like a therapist you're being a parent and just and if you're wrong you say okay but at least they know that you're there for them what was the second part of that or did you have one? Um,
1: just recognize and help, yeah. So, like, if they do say if their kid's like, I'm anxious every single day, like I have a stomachache before I go to school, like, yeah. how are you fixing that?
0: When it gets to that point um, and the parents are continually trying to help their kid, let's say a kid every, uh, the teacher has them read out loud in front of the class every single day, like one page each, and, every, and the build-up to that gives a kid so much anxiety, um... Obviously, the parent would start off probably with helping the kid read a little bit better. And, uh, but if that didn't ha- help, then you'd take the next step. And that would be maybe my kid reads just fine, but he gets so much anxiety before he stands up. So many things to help that. You know, a lot more practice. Like I said, if it got to a point where they needed some medication to calm their nerves down a little bit before they performed. But mostly trying to change people's thoughts. And I know that that seems like basic, but it does take work. It takes real work. Like I'll sometimes think of something that kind of gives me a little anxiety and say, why why are you wasting your energy on something that hasn't even happened yet? The pain I'm going through right now and thinking and and dealing with this anxiety is far greater than if what I was worried about actually happened. And so I think keeping that in mind a little bit is that people spend 12 hours a day anxious about something that if it actually happened, the pain probably wouldn't be even as bad as, you know, a few hours of that. So it really can be a waste of energy and a waste of, of, of a peaceful life.
1: The quote on your wall, imagination. It's a waste yes. of imagination. Okay.
0: It's a waste of imagination. That's right.
1: So will people ever feel normal again after all this? Like, does it ever go away? What, do you, is it something you have to deal with your whole life?
0: Anxiety something we're all going to have to deal with our whole life. It's uh, like I said earlier, the... Uh, People who really end up being pretty successful are the ones who put it in the right places. You think of, I have some people that work at my company who are way OCD. They put all of their anxieties in stuff being exact, dots, I's being dotted, T's being crossed, files being put where they belong and to be honest those kind of people can make a ton of money because they save companies and so you'd say why is that person so successful well because they worry about the right things then you look at other people who who are more concerned about things that don't matter that walk around worrying about earthquakes that are about to happen or worrying about um, a shark that's about to eat them. What really what they're about they're doing is they're limiting their ability to have happiness. And so, so. Uh,
1: okay, this is kind of my last one, but since you are a therapist, when should people get a therapist? Should they get a therapist for anxiety? What What's your take on that?
0: I always suggest that people would get a therapist, but with the right mentality. I think you can go to a therapist that helps you fix your problem, but you're going to have another problem the next day. So people need to go. You don't get to go home with that therapist. You know, you don't take a, a blow up therapist home and have them continually help you change your thinking. If you go into therapy with the mentality of, I'm going to learn how to change my thoughts. I'm going to learn ways to decrease my anxiety. Rather than go there and say, I'm going to dump all my problems in front of a therapist and have them fix them. That's where people waste their money and waste their time. Um, Really, I would always suggest it, and I think a therapist is super helpful, but the therapist mentality as well needs to be, I am here to help them become a successful person, not a successful patient that is always with me. So, um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I
1: think the first couple sessions aren't always what
0: you think they're going to be with therapy. No, they rarely are. And I think, you know, when you talk about therapy, um, majority of people your age haven't been to therapy, Maddie, but I think... If you think about the life that you've lived, how many coaches, how many teachers, how many, um, people, adults in your life were better therapists than anyone you could ever come up with. You're going into a big game. You've had some huge games. You've played Duke. You've played North Carolina. You've played the Utes. You may have lost all three of those, but... (laughs) Really? (laughs) I don't know. You might have won. I'm not sure. But, um... You had a lot of anxiety going at that game. And when your coach pulled you aside and said, if he said to you, you know, Maddie, it's been forever since you have played a good game. I don't know what you're waiting for. The team thought you were going to be something special and you're not. Will you please do something today to change our minds? You have about a 0% chance of having a successful game. But when that coach pulls you aside and says, today we need you. You are a key point in our, in our success, in, and we're, we're not going to be able to pull it out with pull it off without you. So today, give it your all because this whole team is counting on you. You have about a hundred percent chance of having a great game. That coach decreased your anxiety, built up your confidence, changed your thoughts, which changed your emotions, which changed your behavior. You were able to go out and kill it in a soccer game. You don't need to be a therapist. You don't need to be some PhD in psychology. You need to be somebody who cares. And so as for not only the patients that are looking for somebody to help them, but as people who aren't dealing with these kind of anxieties, we owe it to our kids to our neighbors to our whoever to sit down and help them reframe things when you're when you get a neighbor that calls and says i've had it being a mom i'm so sick and tired of my kids i want to throw them on the disposal and get rid of them you need to be the one to say hold on a minute change their thoughts you have some incredible kids they might be popping off a little bit today but don't forget how lucky you are to have those kids that you have change their thoughts i'm going to tell one quick story um, when I was in graduate school, uh, one of the professors had the opportunity to work with this uh, 11-year-old girl who tried to burn the family house down, and she she lit the drapes on fire and almost burned the house down. And um, she was taken into DCFS custody. And if you think about this, if you were about to go meet this girl, she's 11 years old, and she just tried to burn her house down. If you were going to go down and meet with her, you would say you'd be nervous because your thoughts are, this is a girl who tried to burn down the house. She's only 11 years old. I can only imagine what she's capable of. So that's what you're thinking right now. Well, my professor was able to work with her as her therapist, and after a few weeks got to the point of the little girl said, my parents fight every night and they're about to get divorced and... My mom yelled at that at my dad and said, this house is ruining my our marriage because they were having financial difficulties. So what does an 11-year-old do? They go, if this house is ruining my parents' marriage, I'm going to try my hardest to get rid of it. Now, what just happened in your brain? You just changed your thoughts about somebody, which immediately you go from being afraid of this little 11-year-old girl to wanting to give her a hug and say... How cool that is, what she tried to do, even though it was, you know obviously a bad coping of how to deal with what she was doing with. But it's such a powerful tool that we all have the ability to do. It doesn't take a therapist, doesn't take a coach. You have the ability to change people's thoughts every day. And uh, I think we miss out on it. And I think, I think it's amazing how much power we have, how, how when, when you tell somebody they, they look good, it looks like you've lost some weight. That took zero energy for you to do it. It took 14 neurons to get that out of your <laughs> mouth. But that person goes home and thinks about that over and over and over all day. And it makes their day. And I don't know why we don't do it more often. I don't know why we're not uh, giving those kind of comments to people more often. Because it's a huge power we have and we don't use it anywhere near enough. How
1: can you do that for yourself in your own brain if I don't? I mean, what if I'm in a place where I can't call someone at that time I'm about, I'm about to go into a big test or something like that? How I think
0: you would be an easy one, Maddie, because uh, I, I think it would be a better almost example of somebody else. But if you take, if you were going to go into a big exam, or let's say you were going to a big game because I've told you this before. Um, so I'll use an example that I did. You have so much anxiety and so much n- nerves about the game coming up. And I remember always saying to you, listen, you're the same age as these girls, right? There's no way they have better genes than you do.
1: <laughs>
0: no, but I said, do you remember this? I would say, um, you practice as much as anybody that you could go against. You're, they're no older, they're no better, and they're no stronger. What is there to be worried about? So after I've done that, let's say then you're playing for Weaver State and you're up at Duke, and I'm not there. That's what a therapist, that's what a uh, parent is trying to teach you, how to do it on your own. So you sit back and go, I'm super nervous. Of what? I'm super nervous of performing. Actually, now that I think about it, I worry. I'm more miserable after a game that I've held back on because I was trying not to make mistakes. I actually play better when I turn myself loose. And you're talking to yourself, and you're basically talking yourself into... Uh, changing your thoughts so that you are more excited about the game and you have a better game. So like I said, uh, I've said over and over, when you're feeling anxiety, trace them back to what the thought is. When you figure out what the thought is, challenge it. Remember, you're always not going to get rid of all of the anxiety. Like, it's going to be... Some, like, if I had zero anxiety about paying the bills of my house or whatever, yeah, I would be in a lot of trouble. I need that anxiety to continue to make me um, provide for my family. Trace back the thoughts. Trace back the anxiety to the thoughts. Challenge them. Beat them up. Make sure they're right. Make sure they're accurate. If they are, come up with a list or fight that dragon any way that you can but don't just walk around anxious for no reason like we've said over and over it's a waste of energy waste of imagination and waste of uh, the possibility of living happy
1: what if you have 15 dragons knocking at your door what do you do
0: You better bust out fifteen
1: swords.
0: (laughs) You know that's a good point. With fifteen dragons, sometimes you need a team to take them on. And I think uh, a lot of people do need uh, a big corner at times. There's times in my life where, when things were rough, I counted on my friends, my family, my kids, my everybody to be there for me. But uh, I would I would probably say take one dragon on at a time. But there's one thing about dragons that I love in the stories about dragons is this. Dragons destroy everything. They tear up villages and they do all their craziness. But the guy who tames it, who ends up teaching it to let him ride on his back, <laughs> he wins always. He's always the winner. He You can't beat a guy and his tame dragon. So if you don't let that stuff get out of control, you tame your dragons and and uh use them to your advantage. There's nothing but uh it's nothing but a positive. So anyways, Madison, for your first time you did, I'm 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 gonna say excellent. Wow,
1: thank yeah. you.
0: anyways that was fun. Um anxiety's a tough one, it's a crazy one, and I think we're learning learning more and more about it. If you believe in any kind of evolution, um There's a lot of research that goes back to this is one of the first generations where we're actually caring about the opinion of more than just five or six people. Uh, going backwards. People just really, they cared about what their bosses thought or what their family thought. But now we're in an age where these kids have 2000 followers and they're worried about what people think. And it's a tough, tough time to live and to grow up. And so minimizing anxiety, does nobody any um, good, but letting that dragon get out of control and letting it dominate you is not something that you need to do. So anyways, thanks for tuning in to the (laughs) podcast now, and we will see you next time.